So uh, we are, in fact, as Tim alluded to uh, in his prayer, we are starting a new series today, God is Greater Than, and uh, there really is nothing that he's not greater than, uh, but we're going to focus in on a few specific things uh, that we all would benefit from reminding ourselves or from maybe hearing for the first time uh, about the ways he is greater greater than all sorts of things that, that we see as great and looming large in our life. Uh, and we need that reminder every day because every day, you know, we, we, uh, we pick up the paper and we read through it and we see what's going on. We, we see things like, oh, good, uh, lots of educators and positions all throughout Raleigh County are going to be terminated and cut off. Yay, you know. Uh, oh, look, here's another place that West Virginia ranks lowest in. Yay. And, and you just keep, you know, you're going through the paper and you're finding uh, this, this and that. You know, you, lo- you look at story after story and there's, there's this person that's uh, being searched for. Police are, are still on the lookout for this person that did all these terrible things. And, um, and, and this person did this thing to this person and this place is closing and... And on and on you go, and it gets pretty depressing really quick. Then you, you, you go from that, and you say, okay, what's going on out there in the world? And you, you click the, the news on, and just about any news channel you go to, it's going to be about the same thing. Uh, it's it's uh, people hate President Trump, and he hates them back. Or, um, you know, or, or, or this, this uh, let's see, over here, oh, oh, ISIS is at it again. You know, over here, it's, uh, these people are, are protesting, and they're not really protesting. They're just using this as an excuse to be mad and break stuff. Um, and you see just over and over examples after examples of human depravity at its worst. And, and then you, you get on your, your cell phone or your tablet, and you say, what's going on in the world of Facebook? Whoop, 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 abort, abort. You know, but we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't listen to that. We just scroll and scroll and scroll. And, oh, oh, good, this person is, is telling this person off on, on their opinions on things that really don't matter in the end, but, but they feel that they have the ability to do that. Oh, wow. Ooh. Oh, hey, don't they go to our church? Hmm. I thought, yeah, they sit next to each other. I guess that won't happen on Sunday. And so on and on we go, right? And there, there's just there's example after example of things that are wrong in life or in our world. And man, it can get so depressing and so discouraging so fast, right? And that's just stuff on the outside. Then, then we, we come close to home and we, let's, let's think about what's going on in our, in our own life. I mean, we've got, we've got these bills due and how are we going to pay them? I don't know. We've got you know, my, the, the job that you've worked at for a long, long time and the boss is hinting at maybe there's going to be some changes in the form of you not working there anymore, possibly. Uh, then there, there's the, the sick kids or the sick loved ones or the, the sick mother or grandmother or grandfather to take care of and, and all that weighs on you, right? There, there's just circumstance after circumstance that if we're not careful will totally overwhelm us. That, that will be like this huge mountain before us that, that is all we see. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll look at that and nothing else. And we'll be totally overwhelmed. You know what I mean? You can identify with that, right? Maybe you're in here today and you're carrying just this mountain-sized load of burden, of worry, of pressure, of stress. 
Well, there's lots of people who can relate to that. Maybe you're here and you say, not only am I overwhelmed, not only am I having a bad day, but I, I've had a bad month. Or may, maybe you haven't even had just a bad month. Maybe you've had a bad couple of years, <laughs> right? Uh, you say, yep, yep, that pretty much sums it up. It's been a rough couple of years. Nothing seems to change. Um, there's a lot of people who, who have been there in such a situation. Lots of people could easily get where you're coming from, if, if that's you, if that describes you. But one person stands out to me um, as one of the best examples of all time in terms of someone who could absolutely uh, relate to those feelings. I mean, he, he, really, he really gets it. He really got it. He, he could understand. He, he can relate, for sure. And that man is Joseph. Joseph in the Bible. As in, you know, the coat of many colors, Joseph. That guy. Um, that guy really, <laughs> he went through some stuff. Joseph went through it a lot. Um, how did he handle the things that he went through is the question. And as we look at, at a little bit of his story, that's the question to ask. How did he handle what he went through? I mean, how did he get through the bad, bad, bad circumstances that he faced? That's the question we need to ask. And, and as we start off this series, that's what we're going to be thinking about today and talking about today. The fact that God is greater than bad circumstances. And there's a lot of bad circumstances out there. You've been through them at some point. Maybe you're in them now, or you will go through them again at some point in the future. But at any point, all of us, any of us, has the ability to choose not to be defined or beaten down by those bad circumstances. We all have the ability to make a a different choice to do something different than just to be drowned out under the weight of our bad circumstances. That's something Joseph experienced firsthand. So with that in mind, let's look at Joseph's life, his story together. We're going to start off in in Genesis 37, verses 2 through 4. Genesis 37, 2 through 4. The Bible says this, These are the family records of Jacob, also known as Israel. That's what his name was changed to. At 17 years of age, so just a teenager, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilah and Zilpha, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. And this is where you'd hear, dun, 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 in the story. And Joseph's life, his story, his experience here in these chapters of Genesis, it really does read like like a novel or it's like a movie you're watching. It just goes from scene to scene to scene to scene in progressive order. I mean, it's so easy to visualize what's going on here, the way God laid this out. I love it. It's just so clear. So you'd hear at this point, you know, that, that, that mood-changing music at this point because he brought a bad report about them, about his brothers, to their father. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other 
sons. Danger, 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 right? No, Jacob, no, bad, bad, bad. He loved them more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. That's part of it. But it's also because his mother was the wife that Jacob always loved more. Poor Leah, right? Loved Rachel more. So he just continues to take the same uh, wrong um, superior affection and superior love that he should not have had uh, for one versus the other. He just takes that over and applies it to his sons. I mean, you have, that has dysfunction written all over it, right? He was born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. Well, imagine that, right? They hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Now, of course, that, that's not an excuse for them. That was wrong on their part. But, I mean, let, let's be real here. We can kind of understand where they're coming from, right? I mean, when it's so obvious that your dad, your father, obviously, without even trying to deny it, loves one of your brothers more than you, it's going to wear on you after a while, right? So that's what happened. Um, they could not even bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Bad, bad news. Well, it gets worse. I'm going to actually start in verse 12 um, and read instead of just verse 18 that's on your, your handout just to give us a little bit of background uh, in, in the, what's happening to, to bring us to the point where we see Joseph carried away. Verse 12 says this. This is later. His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. And if I were Joseph, I'd be thinking, Really? Did you have to? You have to send me to the brothers that hate me and can't say anything good to me ever because you love me more than them. You really have to send me? Well, I don't know if that was what went through his mind or not, but he says, I'm ready. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Verse 14, then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. Remember, he's already brought a bad report once. So this is, this is Jacob slash Israel um, checking up on, on the brothers, checking up on the other sons. Are they doing what they're supposed to? Are they taking care of our, of our flocks, our holdings, or are they just goofing off? And I'm going to send my, my little favorite spy to go check on them. Oh, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in the field. You know, he's just walking around looking, looking for his brothers. Simeon, hello, woohoo. You know, and he can't find them anywhere. He's just looking, he's wandering aimlessly. And so this guy sees this teenage boy, you know, just wandering around in the fields looking lost. And he, he, he comes up to him. And asks him, what are you looking for? And verse 16 says, well, I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They moved on from here, the man said. I, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. And here's where the plot really thickens. Verse 18, they saw him in the distance. <clears throat> And before he had reached them, they plotted 
to kill him. Dun, dun, dun. Right? They said to one another, here comes that dreamer because he had indeed gotten dreams from the Lord and uh, he didn't hide those dreams at all. He went right up to his brothers and told them the dreams and then he told his father and mother the dream and all of the dreams were about his family, Joseph's family, bowing down before him, paying, paying homage and respect him, serving him. Now Joseph was the youngest. He's the runt of the litter. Historically, in this culture, that, that just didn't happen. That the whole family ended up following the lead of the youngest brother. It was the eldest that inherited the main portion of whatever the inheritance was. It was the eldest who governed the family, who became the patriarch. But these dreams are saying, no, no, it's going to be Joseph that actually rules over his house. Well, they didn't like that too much. Imagine that. I mean, they're already the victim of their father's favoritism toward Joseph. You know, they, they already have been uh, kind of gypped from that. And so Joseph tells these, these dreams. And, you know, I, I like to put myself in the stories that I read like this. And, and, and it's, it's not in the scripture, right? But, but I, I like to think that maybe, just maybe, because Joseph is human after all. And he's a teenage boy. Let's, let's not forget that. Even though he was definitely someone that was faithful to God at a very early age, we see that, that's undeniable, he was respectful. I like to think he still maybe did a little bit of, nah, 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 nah. You know, you know, I mean, maybe not, maybe not a lot, but just kind of, hey guys, guess what I dreamt about? You and you and you and you and you, you're going to serve me, you know. Maybe not, maybe not, maybe he didn't do it that way, maybe he just told them the dream. But uh, I do know that when he told his father and mother about the dream, they didn't like it too much either. And uh, Jacob speaks up, and here's his favorite son, and yet he still, he, he got a little stern. He said, Joseph, who exactly do you really think you are here? I mean, your father and your mother, we're, we're going to just serve you, we're going to bow down before you? I mean, that was a, a huge insult in that culture. Because of the way they looked at things, the way they did things, the way the culture was, the patriarch of the family was so revered and, and held up in such high esteem to say that, that their authority was going to then change and, and go over to their youngest son and, and they were going to be made to serve the youngest. I mean, that was like, whoa. So they didn't like it either. So anyway, that's where the whole dreamer uh, statement came from because Joseph obviously had been given dreams from the Lord and, and that's something that happened uh, a few times here. So uh, they said, here comes that dreamer. Here he comes. wonder what he's going to tell us now. What has he dreamt now? Verse 20. Come on, let's kill him. Let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. ha, 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 ha. Again, that's, an, that's just what I like to imagine. Sorry. You know, this is, this is one of those passages, this is one of those times, these, these, these things here, that uh, this is where it would be a very fitting moment to say, kids, don't try this at home. You know, it's not a good idea. I mean, brothers, sisters, I understand there's sibling rivalry. I understand your brothers and your sisters get on your nerves from time to time, but I really don't recommend this. Okay? 
you know, this is definitely a, a don't try this at home moment. Uh, you don't want to plot the way these brothers did. It's not going to work out well for you, I promise. Okay, So, so kids, don't try this at home. Um, when Reuben heard this, verse 21, he tried to save him from them. He tried to save Joseph from the, the plot that they were making. He said, let's not take his life. Let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Intending, the reason he said that, is he was intending to rescue him from their hands and return him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his robe, the robe of many collars that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat a meal. <laughs> can, you, <laughs> can you just picture that? So, so here they're, they're plotting about what they're going to do to their brother. Um, they, they were going to kill him. One, the, the, Reuben says, no, no, let's not do that. We're not going to kill him. Let's just, let's just teach him a lesson. So they grab him, though. They strip off the robe, the, the special robe. They throw him in a pit. And they're like, ah, that was fun. Now let's eat. I mean... <laughs> These guys, they're in a bad, bad place. Uh, they just sit down and, and they have a meal to celebrate uh, what they did. They looked up as they're eating, you know, there's stuff in their face. They looked up and there was a, a caravan of Ishmaelites coming up. There was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, and resin going down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? I mean, really, what do we gain from that? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And they agreed. They said, yeah, good idea. Let's do it. We'll make a little bit of profit. We'll get rid of him. Good deal. Win-win. Verse 28. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and imagine this. I mean, poor Joseph. He's thinking, all right, good one, guys. You got me. Good deal. Good deal. Now let's, let's go home. Uh, guys, let's, let's, let's go home. You got me. Guys, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they come at him and they grab him. And, and I'm, you know, I'm just thinking they bound him. And instead of sending him home after a well-delivered prank, went to another level. They take him over to these traders, and they sell their brother. They sell their brother. His brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. Man, this was a bad day for Joseph, wasn't it? This was a bad time in his life. This was bad bad circumstance. I mean, he goes from being resented and hated by his brothers, like we see in verses 2 through 4, which his dad was partly responsible for, let's be honest, went from that to being captured by his brothers and then sold into slavery. Verse 36 says this, Meanwhile, so see there's that movie playing again, it's like scene to scene to scene, so while, while this happened, Joseph is sold uh, into slavery to the Ishmaelites. But meanwhile, 
They, they take them down to the Midianites, and the Midianites sell Joseph in, to Egypt to a person named Potiphar. Potiphar was an office of Pharaoh, officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. So he was a prominent person. He was the captain of Pharaoh's guard. It's kind of like his secret service. He was the captain of that. He was somebody trusted. He was somebody respected. He had position. He had power. And that's who Joseph is sold to. Bad day for Joseph. Well, verse 1 of chapter 39 begins this way. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. See, some time has elapsed. Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor in his master's sight and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he had owned, all that he owned, under his authority. When his master, verse 19, when his master heard the story, his wife told him, and, and, and what, the, what happened there is a huge jump in situation. So, so here's, here's Joseph. He's sold. Things are looking very, very grim and bleak for sure. He gets sold into this prominent Egyptian's hands. Joseph had to be thinking, okay, what's next? What's going to happen to me? What's going to, to be, become of me in my situation? So he, he's there with Potiphar, but God is with him. He hasn't left him because God never leaves anyone, even in bad circumstances. His hand is on him, and he blesses what he does. Potiphar sees this is a special guy right here. So he gives him some responsibility. He does well with that. He gives him more responsibility. Finally, he's over his whole household. He's managing Potiphar's entire household, his resources, his wealth, everything. He's running it. But along the way, Mrs. Potiphar decides she needs uh, some help with something more than the household. She decides that Joseph should uh, take a more personal role. She tries to get him to go to bed with her, and he refuses tries again. He refuses. Finally, this woman sends all her servants away, sends all her servants out of, out of the house. So it's just a quiet house. It's just her and Joseph. And she grabs his garment and says, come to bed with me now. And Joseph, he doesn't even think about it. He says, how in the world could I sin against God in this way? He doesn't say, how can I let my master down? Although he does mention that earlier, that, that your, my, my master, your husband, is, has given me charge over his whole household and, and has left nothing out of my hands except for you. He does say that. But the, the main thing that is on his mind is sinning against God. This shows Joseph's incredible character and his faithfulness. Even though he had been mistreated by his brothers, hated by them, even though he had been sold into slavery by their hand, even though he was ripped and torn away from everything he knew and he was now in Egypt, he still believed in the goodness and the glory of God that deserved his devotion. And that's the thing that, that really was important to him. So he said, how could I sin against God in this way? And he doesn't give, 
give any time for argument or for discussion. He just leaves. He runs literally out of his garment and becomes the streak. <laughs> he becomes the streak. He just leaves it all right there and runs away. He's out of there. He doesn't even have time to, to gather his stuff up. He just, he's gone. He just flees. Which is always what our response should be to sin, by the way. Not play around with it. Not see if we can deal with it. We need to flee from sin in all forms. Flee from temptation, just like Joseph did. Out of there. Gone. So that's what happened. And Mrs. Potiphar is left with his garments in her hands. And she's thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? He, he spurned me. He rejected me. This looks really bad. What am I going to do about this? So she comes up with a plan on the spot. She, she starts going, help, help, help. Just like that. Just like that. And, and the servants come running in. And they're like, Mrs. Potiphar, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she's like, oh, it's that Hebrew. <laughs> the Hebrew that my, my, my husband purchased. He made, he's made a mockery of me. He's tried to take advantage of me. What are we going to do? And so then Potiphar comes home and, and she turns on the waterworks again. You know, she's really good. I mean, she's good. She turns on the waterworks and, and gives this whole tale about how, oh, Joseph's been after me from the beginning. You know, he's, he's just been trying to, to sleep with me. He's, he's been taking advantage of me. And he really, he really just went totally overboard on, on this last time. And, and he just he tried to force himself on me. And when he was caught, he ran away so that he, he wouldn't be found out. That's what happened. That's the story that she tells Potiphar. So verse 19 again. When his master heard the story his wife told him, these are the things your slave did to me, he was furious. Of course, right? Of course he would be. What husband wouldn't be? He was furious and had him, had Joseph, thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. It just goes from bad to bad to really bad and then to worse for Joseph. Right? I mean, right when he thinks, okay, okay, I can make the, the, the most of a bad situation here. I'm in Egypt. I don't want to be in Egypt, but I'm here. God has allowed me to, to be brought here. God has, has allowed these things to transpire. All right, I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to stay faithful to him. I'm going to seek him. God blesses him, gives him respect in the eyes of his master. He's thinking, all right, maybe this is going to end up okay because he's given respect. He's given position. And then this happens with Mrs. Potiphar, and he finds himself now in prison. So Joseph Joseph was there in prison. Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So he he had been given favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Now he's been given favor in the eyes of the warden, the prison boss. And verse 22, the warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. See, there it is again. He's given, he's given authority. He's given position. And he was responsible for everything that was done there. Verse 23, the warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. Once again, we see that in bad circumstances, God did not desert Joseph. God was still with him to the fullest. Completely. Now, there was a cupbearer 
and a baker who uh, didn't exactly please the king. In chapter 40, Genesis 40, 1 through 5, we see this happen, that there was uh, the, the royal cupbearer and the royal baker. They did something wrong, maybe undercooked or overcooked the meat, didn't like what was in the cup. So here's what happens. After this, the, Egyptians king, the Egyptian king's cupbearer and baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, so see, they had some prominence too, and they really offended the king. They, were up, they made him upset, so here's what he did. Verse 3, he put them in the custody of the, in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard assigned Joseph to them, and he became their personal attendant. And they were in custody for some time. Verse 5, the Egyptian kings, cupbearer, and baker who were confined in the prison, each had a dream, both had a dream on the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. So what transpires after this, we're not going to cover all that, but they, they tell Joseph their dreams. Remember, God gives him the ability to, to have dreams and to know dreams. Well, now he's going to have the ability to interpret. And so they tell him the dreams, and Joseph gives glory to God, and he says, God can tell me this meaning, God can interpret this, because they were very disturbed by it. They were alarmed by what they saw in the dream. So he tells them the meaning, and he says... You both are going to actually be liberated. You both are going to be liberated. And they both are like, yay, good news. He says to the baker, yeah, you're, you're going to be liberated, but here's the thing. Your head is actually going to be liberated from your body. Sorry about your luck. And so, I mean, imagine that. We're going to be liberated. We're going to be released. And he hears what that's going to involve, that releasing. And so he's like, ugh. You know, what do you say to that? Joseph's like, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just interpreting. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger, right? But to the chief cupbearer, he says, you're going to be liberated, and you're really going to be liberated. In fact, the king's going to restore you to your former position. Yay! And he's throwing a party, right? And he looks over at his friend, or, and he maybe dials it down a notch, you know, not to rub it in. So he, that, that's what's going to happen. And he tells the cupbearer, he says, when this happens, because this is going to happen. This is from God. This is going to take place. When you are restored to Pharaoh's good graces, when you have your position back, please mention me. I have been wrongly imprisoned. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. I, I am a Hebrew that was taken captive. I don't belong here. I've been mistreated. Please tell the king my situation. Tell him that I'm innocent. And so the guy says, sure, sure, I'll tell him. No problem. You help me out, I'll help you out. I'll mention him. You're good. Don't worry about it. But verse 23, look. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So a couple years go by. Nothing. Joseph's just forgotten. He's there and he's been let down. Pharaoh has a dream now. And this dream really disturbed Pharaoh. I mean, it troubled him. It was one of those tossing, turning, nightmare-type dreams. And, and he, he had then another one right after that. You know, like when you wake up from a dream but you're still dreaming? It's horrible. That's what was t- going on with, with Pharaoh. And, and so he had these, these horrible, nightmarish dreams. And when morning came, verse 8 of chapter 41, 
Genesis 41 verse 8 says this, When morning came, he was troubled, so he summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. Pharaoh had been angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker in the custody of the captain of the guard. He and I had dreams on the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. Now a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guards, was with us there. We told him our dreams, he interpreted our dreams for us, and each had its own interpretations. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. Yeah, yeah, you you hanged him. But it's okay, it worked out for me. So, we're good. So, look at verse, uh, chapter 41, verse 39. So, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as intelligent and wise as you are. So, what happened? Well, guess what? Joseph was called out of prison. He cleaned up. He was brought before Pharaoh. Pharaoh told him the dreams. He gave glory to God. He says, hey, this interpretation isn't going to come from me. It's going to come from God. He knows all things. He's going to reveal this to me. And here's what it is. And he tells him the meaning of the dream. And he tells him what should be done. The dreams were about famine. Severe, extreme famine that was going to actually wipe out all of Egypt if they didn't act. So he tells them the dream. He said, here's what we should do to act. Pharaoh likes the idea, and he says, this is great, this sounds good. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as intelligent and wise as you are. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And, and so he, he, he's put in a position of incredible power, second in command over Egypt. And all goes well. He saves Egypt. He saves the whole region. Then his brothers come to Egypt because the famine was so great that they were all starving in their land. So they come to Egypt, and Joseph knows who they are right away, and he decides to have a little bit of fun with them. Long story short, he makes it so that they are imprisoned and kept from going back home. Then finally, he brings them into his own palace, and he throws them a big feast, and he lines them up in order as to their birth. And they're thinking, wow, this is weird. How did he know our ages like this? Well, skipping ahead, at the end of of this little trick he played, Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8 says this, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here, because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine had been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt." These are bad circumstances that God was still faithful to Joseph in. These were bad circumstances that God was still greater than. No matter what Joseph faced, God remained faithful and showed how he was greater than all of it. Each time. Each time. And what Joseph teaches us from this experience, from all these experiences, is that when, with all Joseph faced, 
All that resentment and hate, being betrayed, being torn away from his home, uh, all the, 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 the hard circumstances, the being sold into slavery, the wrongly, being wrongly accused, being put into prison, promised to be mentioned but then forgotten about. In all of this, he had a choice to make. Despair and give up or trust that God was indeed greater than all the bad circumstances and a choice to remain faithful to him. Give up. Despair or trust that God was indeed greater? Well, he chose the latter. He chose the latter. And instead of saying, this bad thing is happening, so God must not be good, or this bad thing is happening, so God must not be in perfect control, instead of saying that, he said, I will trust and I will serve him in this bad thing. I will trust and serve him in these these circumstances. I will believe that he's actually controlling them to accomplish his perfect purpose and his plan. He didn't say, because things are, are happening and turning out the way they are and not the way I thought or, or hoped they would, I'm out, I'm done. He didn't say that. He said, things are definitely not happening the way I would have wanted them to or the way I had hoped, but I know God is greater than my perspective. And he knows what he's doing, so I'm with him to the end. He knew that God had thoughts that were not his thoughts and ways that were not his ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth, as Isaiah 55 tells us. He knew that. He believed that. He believed the kind of promise that we find in Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. See, this is the thread that was woven all throughout Joseph's entire experience. And it's really, really important for us to understand and remember that it didn't just magically change everything for Joseph. His circumstances were still pretty bad a lot of the time, right? But what is trust in God's perfect goodness and his perfect plan in the midst of his trials did was to give him the strength during the difficulty. And it gave him hope that he was going to be brought through it and to be okay. And my friends, the same reality is available to each of us. The same reality is, is at our disposal to, to plug into, to lock into. See, Joseph chose to believe that the God who gave him dreams would never give up on him. He believed what Jeremiah 29.11 tells us, that, that God knows the plans he has for us. They're plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. He, he believed the principle that is in Romans 8.28 where it says all things, all things, including really, really, really bad things, all things will work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He believed that and he made his choice based on that. He said, I'm going to believe that. But it was a choice that he had to make. And the same choice is available to us as well. Here's the choice that we have to make. Here's the choice I encourage you to make. Don't let your circumstances, don't let your circumstances, any of them, don't let your circumstances that are around you rule over your mind and heart. Choose not to let that happen. All the bad circumstances that you may have or, or may be going through, choose not to let those circumstances rule over your mind and heart. Instead, choose to surrender your mind and your heart to the God who rules over your circumstances. Because that's the God we have, church. We have a God who rules over 
our circumstances, who controls our circumstances. So don't let circumstances around you rule you, your mind and heart. Instead, choose to surrender your mind and heart to the God who rules over your circumstances. Take your perspective off of your circumstances and put it on to God's faithfulness and his his goodness. Remember who he is and what he has done. That's the choice that you have to make. That's the choice I have to make. We have to choose to tune out all the voices of chaos and fear and to tune instead into the voice of order and peace and comfort. What it means for us practically is we need to not be driven and directed by our Facebook feed, but instead we need to be devoted to our good, good Father. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep him, the mind that is dependent on you, in perfect peace. Why? For it is trusting in you. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, Yahweh, your God, is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will bring you quietness with his love. He will delight in you with shouts of joy. Isn't that good news? That's the kind of God you have. That's the kind of God that Joseph knew. That in all of these circumstances, as bad as they were, God was greater. God was greater than any circumstance he faced. God was greater than any betrayal by his brothers. God was greater than any treachery from Mrs. Potiphar. God was greater than any prison he was in. No matter how dark and bleak it looked. God was greater than the king of Egypt. God was greater than famine or hardship. Than any circumstance that came into his life that was less than ideal, that was bad, rough, hard, God was greater than it all. And the same choice is before us. The same reality remains true for us today. See, my my friends, this is what is so true and what we need to remember, what we need to believe, is that no matter how our circumstances change, God never does. No matter how our circumstances change, no matter how it's changed for you here today, no matter how it's changed in the past for you, no matter how it might change in the future, God never changes. And God is always good. God is always greater than. Do you know this God that is greater today? That's the question that you have to ask in all of this. Do you know the God that Joseph knew and believed in and trusted in no matter what? Do you believe that God is greater than all that you might ever face? That's the question we all have to ask. And that's the question that we all have to deal with on a personal level. I can't make that choice for you. No one else can. It's what you have to decide. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I want to ask you to close your your eyes and and be in an attitude of prayer. Be thinking about Joseph's example. Be thinking about the fact that, that you don't have to let circumstances rule over you. That there's a better choice. You don't have to be overwhelmed. Be thinking about that. You don't have to be discouraged and defeated. There's a better way. It's a better choice. And that is the the choice to refuse to let your circumstances rule over your mind and your heart. That you can instead choose to surrender your mind and heart to the God who rules over your circumstances and who is perfect in his ruling. He is so, so good. And he is always greater than any of your circumstances.
But knowing that and having that peace and seeing him come through for you time and again and and being aware of all his faithfulness and his goodness, that's only going to happen if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus was definitely no stranger to bad circumstances. He was also betrayed by those close to him, sold into slavery. He had the, the one that was closer to him than a lot of other people were be the very one who delivered him in, into the hands of the Romans, you know, Judas. He knows what it is to be alone because in the garden, after he was arrested, all of his disciples fled. They left. He got out of there. He was alone. He knows what it is to have a heavy weight and burden placed on him because he took all of your sin and all of my sin on himself even though he was innocent, wrongly accused for our sake. He's no stranger to any of these bad circumstances. In fact, Jesus endured worse circumstances than any of us ever, ever could. And yet we're told in Hebrews 12 too that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. Why? Because he knew that it was bringing about something very, very good His suffering and his cross, his death, was going to bring about our salvation, our life, our relationship with him. And so he endured, knowing that God had a purpose and that purpose was going to remain intact, no matter what. What an example Joseph is, but what a greater example Christ himself is to us. Do you know this Savior? Do you know Jesus personally, right now, today? Are you his? That's the question. wonder, is there anybody that would say, you know, I want to be able to have the perspective Joseph had. I want to be able to to be like Joseph, who no matter what was thrown at him, it didn't throw him. I want to be like Joseph, who saw God's plan and perfect purpose, even in bad circumstances. I want to know what that's like, and I believe what you just said, that that's only possible by knowing Jesus. I want him to be my savior today. I wonder, is there anybody who would say that's me? Just let me know by, by slipping up your hand, raising up your hand. No one's looking, it's just me. Let me know so that, that I can pray for you and encourage you to go to the back and talk with those who are waiting to counsel with you if, if you would like that. Anybody who would say that's me? I don't know this Jesus. I don't have him as my savior. Anyone at all. Okay? Then let me ask you this, Christian. Are you being thrown by your circumstances? Those of you who are saved, are you, are you in Christ, but man, you're being tossed and, and just totally overwhelmed right now by what you're facing? What are you relying on is my question to you with that. What are you depending on? Are you, are you allowing circumstances to rule over you? I'm not minimizing what you might go through. I know it can be brutal. But my question is, are, are you letting that rule you or are you resolving to surrender to the one who rules over your circumstances, even the bad ones. If you need prayer or counsel, we have guys and and women available in the back to talk with you, to counsel with you, to go to Scripture. I wonder, is there anybody that would say, pray for me? Just, Just pray for me. That's what you need right now. Thank you. Thank you. You're going through a hard time, and you need prayer in that, that you will let God rule over your circumstances and not you be ruled by them. Thank you. Anyone else? 
For those of you who raised your hands just now, I really mean it. There are people that would love to talk with you if you would like that. Love to counsel with you specifically. Love to have prayer with you. They're standing in the back waiting. As we end our song here, whatever your need spiritually might be, please, please go and talk with them. They'd love to spend some time with you. Just get up out of your chair when we close and, and go and, and do whatever you need to do, okay? Let me pray, and then we'll turn it over to Pastor Matthew. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Joseph's example, all he went through, all he faced. Yet he was determined to believe and to surrender to the reality that you, God, are greater than all circumstances. That no matter how bad our circumstances might be, no matter what we may have faced as we came in today or what we will face tomorrow, no matter what the circumstances may be like, they can be the worst that we have ever faced, and yet you remain good. You remain in control. You remain perfect, and you have a perfect plan in the midst of them to bring about our good and your glory. Joseph knew that. We saw that. And Father, he was a person just like us. He was human. And if he could resolve to have that type of mindset, if he could choose to believe that, so can we. And the Holy Spirit that he had is what made that type of mindset possible. And we have the same spirit. So I pray, Father, for all of of us who are, are in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit, please, by his power, empower us to determine, to choose, to not let our circumstances rule us, but rather to surrender it all to you, knowing you rule over all of it. For those who raise their hands saying, oh, I need prayer in that way, please empower them to that end. Work in their life, work in their their hearts and their minds, work in their situation. And Father, if there's any here who did not feel comfortable signifying publicly that they are outside of Christ, but they know they are, please work by your Spirit right now in their mind and their heart and let them believe that that they're never going to, to find the ability to hope in their bad circumstances apart from Christ and let them surrender themselves to Him today, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are indeed greater than every bad circumstance and you always will be. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.